Welcome to the Theology Gaming Podcast. Today we're going to do something a little different. It's been a while, and you probably don't even recognize my voice. I'm M. Joshua. I'm going to be today's host, and today we are talking about Dark Souls. Now, we've talked about Dark Souls a lot on this podcast, but we're going to do something a little bit different today, because Dark Souls is casting a huge shadow on gaming right now. It's so huge that there doesn't go a single week where a, a Dark Souls game, Dark Souls-inspired game, rather, uh, doesn't show up on everyone's collective radar. Uh, most recently, uh, the Surge is uh, showing up in the AAA space uh, as a mech Souls, or uh, sci-fi Souls, as some people are calling it. And right now on Steam, one of the top sellers is Dead Cells, which is a uh, rogues, rogue-like, uh, very similar to Rogue Legacy, but with a Dark Souls-style framework. Um, and just today, just today, I saw a Kickstarter successfully pass into uh, successful funding for a game called Blasphemy, which is basically a 2D Super Nintendo-style uh, Dark Souls game with a unique take on the style, maybe, but it's so clearly inspired by Dark Souls. Um, today, we have our collective uh, brain trust of... Uh, theology gaming experts, and we're going to answer some of the most important questions about about Dark Souls. Uh, most notably, why is Dark Souls a, a towering monolith, and what are some takeaways from this powerful game? Today, I'm joined by uh, the guy who started theology gaming, Mr. Zachary Oliver. Uh, Zach, go ahead and uh, tell the world how you are hey, and what I, you look like today. I am doing well. I look like a blazing supernova on this webcam, so it's okay. That's true. You are glowing <laughs> oh, in every way. Eyes. I can't even see your face. My retinas are burning. Praise the sun. <laughs> Praise <laughs> Oh my goodness, it doesn't even correct That is the, the most appropriate okay, joke that has ever been made. Um, Joe. I was doing the solaire. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you were doing. I couldn't even tell. I was. My eyes were so burned out by the the, the praising of the sun. Uh, so, to our our immediate uh, and far right, we have Mr. Joseph Loon, who's who has introduced himself. Now, Joe, tell us who you are and what you look like. Uh, my name is Joe. I love PC games, and I look like a UPS driver right now. <laughs> yeah, so you'd be. I love that because the, blue, the, the the brown polo shirt that is so descriptive and very helpful. Awesome. I'm classy and, and I deliver. So yeah. <laughs> you're classy hey. and you deliver. There that you is go. so good. Awesome. And uh, and in between, sandwiched between Joe and Zach on my screen, we have the one and only Brandon Ballsy. How are Hi, you doing, everybody. Brandon? I'm doing good, and I'm awesome. wearing a dodgeball shirt. Yes, dodgeball. Dodgeball. I just got back from kickball. I wish that we were playing dodgeball so I could have gotten hit in the head or hit somebody else in the head. Well, um, if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. Just remember that's, that. That's, you're completely right, sir. And yeah. Actually, you can take Dark Souls knowledge into dodgeball. <laughs> yes. all, it's all about rolling like crazy, you know, just rolling, getting out of the way. Regular rolls or fat rolls, it doesn't even matter in dodgeball as long yep. as you get out of the way at the right yeah, time. Yeah, mine are kind of the fatter rolls, but, you know. <laughs> I play tank and I still roll, so. Clearly, <laughs> it, you, it works. Awesome. So Dark Souls has uh, is, is a game that we could probably talk about for the next 10 podcasts, but we're going to try to condense it into 45 minutes for listener listener's benefit. I'm going to try to make this as listener-friendly as possible. So first and foremost, I have a question, and I'm going to start with Brandon. Yes. And the question is, why is Dark Souls such a towering monolith in modern games? Why is every game trying to be like Dark Souls? That's probably kind of hard to answer. I mean, it's it is, but I'm, I'm throwing it all entirely on your shoulders, like you are over encumbered and have to fat roll. 
it's a game that slowly <laughs> caught on. I mean, especially when it came over here to America, you know, when Demon Souls got released, the first Souls game. Yeah, in 2009. Like, it, it was just this game that, you know, no one really heard about. You know, it was like slightly making noise overseas and then it comes over here. And then it seems like it was one of those games that people just kept talking about. Like you just heard about it word of mouth. You know, have you heard about this game? And then people started playing it and playing it. And it got this not good one of those reception. games that just instantly sells a ton at release, but when that slow builds over time. Yeah, and even funny, I was actually looking at the stats before we started. Like mm-hmm. for sales, like in Japan, it sold almost forty thousand copies its first week, mm-hmm. and by December two thousand nine, because I think it released in February two thousand nine in Japan, it sold one hundred thirty four thousand. It came oh, wow. over the it came over to North America in October, mm-hmm. and let's see what's it say i think a lot of people Octo- imported it too yeah and by october yeah. 2009 according to charts it, it sold over 150,000 so it seems like it sold better over here like right away yeah. than it did in japan so like the game yeah, we just have we, i mean here. we just generally have a larger population of gamers over here so that's why i think that a lot of games are yeah. targeted towards americans uh, just because we have a bigger market yeah um but still that a- is really distinctive just the fact that it sold that much straight out of the gates in the yeah. us and it's a game that people needed to talk about because, as you know, a lot of people know right now, these games aren't direct. Like, it's a lot of experimentation, fi- you know, trying to find things out. And people are still finding things out about this game that they don't know. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it involves a lot of people just talking, community, and, like, figuring these things out. And it just seems to just suck all these people in and it at least gets people to try it because yeah, everyone's talking about and there, it. That's one of the things that's really apparent about the game is that there's, there's this this kind of like a uh, steamroll effect. Um, Zach, if you can speak necessarily to um, the transition on what happened on how Dark Souls became kind of like the, the staple in the series and we kind of forget about Demon Souls. Uh, well, obviously Dark Souls is a bigger like success because it was on two different consoles, but uh, I think it's partly that Dark Souls just had better marketing and word of mouth. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Because I'm um, pretty sure it sold about two million copies, and that was mostly mm-hmm. not because of a marketing budget, but because people just really, really liked really, Dark really Souls. Loved it. Also, yeah. uh, Dark Souls was put out by Bandai, where like the yeah. first oh, one got part over as Atlas. So, yeah, so after you know, Dark Souls got a bigger publisher, so better backing. That's probably where the advertising. Demon and Souls came. is also yeah. kind of a weird game. Yeah, even weirder yeah. than Dark Souls can be, depending. Hmm. Yeah, that's a fair point, and its design choices aren't always as uh, overtly intentional. Yeah, um, it's like a yeah. first shot. That's cool. So, Joe, one of the I, I wanted to, to redirect him back to this core question, um, and I know that you are, are a Dark Souls newcomer in a lot of ways, um, and so how, what is your perception on why does it seem like Dark Souls is such a towering monolith in in modern games today? Well, I think it stands out because um, the trend in games ever since probably 2008 or so with Call of Duty is to present these really uh, scripted, action-packed sequences where the developers, they almost want to create the story for you to kind of follow along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I just finished Titanfall and saw that everyone was, like, congratulating me as I was finishing the game. And I'm like, don't pat my back. I'm just just a player. Right. Right. Don't and treat me like, like a child. <laughs> it's like this methodology where um, when you play a game, your goal is to stay alive to see the scripting. 
Mm. And then you contrast yeah. it to a game like Dark Souls, where you're just tossed into it and nothing is explained to you, and you got to figure it out. Yeah. And yeah. Um, you know, we'll probably talk about this later. But one of the core um, themes of Dark Souls is you fight enemies, and if you die, you get sent back to uh, a checkpoint, and all the enemies respawn on you. And I got to thinking about it, and it's kind of like Super Mario Brothers in a way because. You have to learn the levels, you got to learn the enemy placement, and you have to build up this knowledge of the mechanics and the game and to execute it well to progress. And when you actually move from one section to another, you have this tangible sense that you actually accomplish something and you're Mm. not just a witness to something that somebody else put together. You're making up your own story as you go. Ah, man, that is a huge and super deeper good point, man. I'm thank you so much for bringing that up. Um, and that actually, that actually draws out kind of the, the, the second question and, and, and the main topic of today, which is the, the takeaways of this powerful, this powerful game. Um, and maybe, maybe even since we are the Theology Gaming Podcast, maybe the, the spiritual, the, 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 dis- the, the discipline, the, the, the disciple-like qualities that we can take it and maybe even uh, insert into our faith in some ways. Um, but uh, Joe, if I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump from you to, to Brandon real quick. Um, and Brandon, I want I want you to could you expand maybe a little bit upon this idea that Joe presented of of, um, of having to learn how how to play from one level to the next, um, and that that goal of all right I I just died do I, how do I get back to my body where I have all my uh, collective experience stored up so that I can make sure I'm actually making progress. Yeah, I mean, the game just throws stuff to you like right away, like even right from the start screen, you're having to just adapt it doesn't have tutorials like we're getting in all these games anymore it has a couple things on the ground that you can click and just easily miss and yeah you, you know yeah, it's, a, it's very easy to not even know what what a, a basic button is in the game yeah and <laughs> so they throw this all at you you can die really quickly because enemies hit hard and sometimes the intro bosses are harder than later bosses in the game yeah, to some yeah. people and you have to sit you have to figure this all out and just combine everything that you know and just keep adding to it as you're moving along you know if you you figure out like well what's this button do okay well Mm -hmm. what can i do with it okay my stamina is running out how do you know i need to do this and you need to just assess each situation that you go into because it's it's usually never this you know never the same because as you're going along you'll start to pick up on you know things of like you know, what certain enemies are going to do or where to look for traps and everything like that. But it always Mm. keeps you on your toes. And, you know, even in the, even in the later parts of the game is they're always throwing new types of things at you, new patterns. And the importance is always that you're attentive to the world around you versus another game where you can just kind of power on through sometimes. Oh yeah. Because the, the environments itself is an enemy yeah. like the geometry especially in the older games getting caught on jagged geometry and everything <laughs> like that is is probably some of the biggest yeah we we could know, we could actually probably talk uh, have an entire podcast on the uh plain old bad platforming in the game or how about falling um, onto a ledge and then sliding <laughs> off for literally no reason <laughs> yeah <laughs> because the physics engine's like nope uh-huh. bye but as you know, I've been, you know, we've all been into Dark Souls 
lately. You know, we've all been mm-hmm. playing it and getting into it. Yeah. And I've been going back through watching a playthrough that I watched a couple of years ago. Uh-huh. And someone, you know, brought up a good point. Like, it's, you know, yeah, the world's like that, but it's not really unfair. The because like what? The, the, like, the, the game's not unfair, you know, with oh, anything, even like the geometry in the world, because anything that can happen to us can happen to the bad guys, too. Uh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, the uh, the what some in the indie community call the Splunky factor, the the way that any kind of trap in the world can kill the enemies just as much as it can kill you. Yeah, they uh, can get caught on something. They can fall, and you can actually use that to your advantage. You can set mm-hmm. yourself over by a ledge and bait a jumping attack, and have someone just jump off. And it, <laughs> you can see it in two. Like uh, there's a dragon rider boss and you can set up the arena to where they can charge at you and fall off the edge. And that's the boss battle. <laughs> so you can that's actually hilarious. use those things to your advantage, too. So yeah, it's, you can it's actually not use unfair. the environment to your advantage. And, and yes, there's fairness across the board. So, Zach, uh, over to you. What, what You look like you have something you want to say. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's 100 percent fair. Sometimes it's not. <laughs> uh, yeah. So and it Joe does this just for past. Yeah. Joe is currently in uh, an Orlando and he has uh, – he, he, I've never heard this man swear in my life. <laughs> but, but I'm pretty sure that that was like the unspoken things coming through our text conversation when he was describing the an Orlando archers who um, – I'll, I'll just say there were a lot of words flying through my brain <laughs> during that segment. And it's a good thing that I did not vocalize or write them out in any way. Yeah, because your wife would have had issues. I have to say, is four hours, four (laughs) hours, two archers. I'm I'm still stressed out of that. I checked my blood pressure right after I beat them, and it was not great. Did you go to a doctor? You what? Did you go to a doctor? (laughs) I think blood pressure monitor. Healthy. Cool. So check your pulse. So what what would you say is the the first and foremost virtue of the game overall? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna come to whoever raises their hand first. <laughs> yeah, how about, how about yeah. you go ahead, Brandon? Uh, persistence, mm. like just keep you know just wanting to keep going and persevering, dust yourself off and keep going, even if that means taking a break. But when I first played Dark Souls, I got dark souls two, and within the first couple first hours one? yeah that was my first one that i tried okay. playing and i liked it i played a couple hours of it but at that time it was something that i didn't want to sink like i don't see myself sinking time into this like yeah. i'm gonna return it get a refund and i got arkham knight i think uh-huh. which wasn't that bad but afterwards mm-hmm. i felt kind of bad and i'm like i want to go back to dark souls like i feel like i gave up like yeah. I just want to go back, so I picked up Dark Souls One for the Xbox, and then from then on, I just became like Dark Souls all the time. I picked up Scholar of the First Sin again, and I went back to that one, and that was the first one I played all the way through. And Scholar the, of the First Sin being the second Dark Souls, yes, the mm-hmm. expanded one where they yeah. edited it, made it harder, and has all <laughs> the DLC. Yeah. Cool. So and. It's so just, perseverance. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I hated um, it the first couple times I tried to play Dark Souls. I got like into the first one Souls? that you started, or was it Demon Souls that was the first that you played? Uh, I probably played Demon Souls like twenty minutes, and I was like, oh, okay, then that doesn't count. Then yeah. I played Dark Souls for like three or four hours, got to Taurus Demon. I'm like, I hate this. <laughs> got, got, I'm sorry, you got the what? A to Taurus Demon, and then I was like, I hate oh, the, this game. Okay, the first. Then major I'm like, a couple like six months later, I did the same thing again. I'm like, I still don't get this, and then. <laughs> I tried it one more time and I'm like, I got past and I'm like, 
I'm hooked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Once you actually finally beat that first real main boss, it's like the world opens up just a little tiny bit, and it's just just enough for you to be like, yeah, I want to see everything in this world. I don't know what <laughs> the point. It just clicks for a lot of people, but I had kind of that point, and it's yeah. it's different for everybody. Some people just never understand. How many times have you played through the game now? The, the original? Can you can original? you quantify? I played through the original once. I played through the second game twice. Uh-huh. The original version and Scholar, including all the DLC stuff. Yeah. I played through Dark Souls 3 once and Bloodborne once. I have not yeah. completed Demon Souls for some And just, just as a, a quick side note for our listeners, Bloodborne is uh, part of the Dark Souls series, it non-officially, uh, but in terms of design, philosophy, and the same director uh, as the original Dark Souls. Uh, Joe, if you can speak a little bit to Perseverance uh, on your end, um, you just described that you went through one particular obstacle for four hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and did you find that uh, once your blood pressure settled that it was uh, A, worth it, and B, made you still want to maybe even actually play the game? Well, I have to correct you when you say I got past, I went past one art, uh, obstacle for four hours. I actually beat my head against it for four hours. Okay. <laughs> and, and then there was progress. But yeah. I think um, the thing about Dark Souls and uh, the guys have been alluding to it is that you never quite feel like you have no idea what to do. You mm. always know what's supposed to happen. And mm. you, you always feel like you're just right on the edge of being able to do it. Yeah. So I think it's that promise of if I get it right this next time that's what keeps you going because it's, it's like not the Kung like, Fu master saying come and at the same time blocking your every hit. Yeah. So, but, <laughs> but it's not like you feel like you're coming up to a point and you just think I have no idea how to do this or yeah. there's no indication. It's always, well, I know I need to try this. So I just need to get better at the building blocks to get to that point. Yeah. Mm, building blocks. Cool. So would you say that, um, the building blocks and the skill points and, 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 and that sort of thing, does that sound like that's uh, maybe virtue number two? I, I actually, I don't want, I don't want to uh, put words in your mouth. How about I just ask this? Uh, what would you say is, is uh, after perseverance is the next biggest and most important part of what Dark Souls is to you? I would have to say it's community. Hmm. Because yeah, that's, that's huge. You know, and I have to go back because my first experience with Dark Souls came last fall, and I got this idea in my head that I'm thinking, okay, I've heard all about this game. I've heard about how it's notoriously difficult, and I'm thinking, it can't be that bad, really? So I was like, hey, I'm just going to do this blind playthrough. I'm going to write about it, and we're just going to see how it goes, and it was awful. It was like (laughs) the worst possible way you could ever play the game is to try and learn nothing about it going in and figure it out yourself because you can't. So, I mean, I think community is the second key thing because it's not really... Can you you elaborate a little bit on what you mean by community? Because, of course, there's, uh, you know, the community college. There's a lot of different... I mean, community is a very broad term, uh, but what do you mean by community for your your experience with this game? (laughs) Because I would say that community just refers to the fans and other players of the game and how they share knowledge without actually um, telling you how to do it. Is yeah. There seems to be some sort of um, un, unwritten rule among Dark Souls players that you offer general tips about um, like play style and things to work on, but they don't actually... Things come to check out without actually like providing spoilers. 
Right. Yeah. So yeah. they'll kind of like lead you and guide you without putting a leash on you and pulling you through a section. Yeah. 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 That's, I don't want to tell you like, take sense. a right at the big door, go through this, find this little oh, yeah, yeah. wall, et cetera. Nobody really yeah. wants to tell that much stuff. Yeah, Just enough. XAC and up at the same time. You know, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's like all a about nudge, like a teacher. Brandon, would you say that that's a part of the game's core design because like specific to dark souls versus say, uh, I don't know, in my mind, like near automata. I think so. I don't really know if it was intended this way. Like I, you know, no one really knows much about Miyazaki. You know, does I don't think he really does many interviews. The director you don't, of the game, yeah, yeah. So you don't really know. So a lot of these things, like the depth of it, how far like it goes, whether they plan this whole community thing. You know, when I first look at Dark Souls, I see that they built a game first, and then everything else kind of came second. And that's the way that I still approach it. What, what, what do you mean by that? Uh. It's a game where you don't really have to know anything about what's going on narrative-wise or anything, and you can just go from area to area, and you can play the whole series and not really catch anything that's going on and still enjoy it. Probably and the actual story and, like, the world and, yeah. Yeah. So whether they plan the community thing, I don't know. It, it. I have to say, though, that what spawned from it has probably been one of the best gaming communities that I've seen. Of where, yeah. you know, you don't see oh. people beating each other down and stuff oh, like that. Oh, like totally it's... reminded me of this thing. Um, when people talk about uh, the most positive, spiritual, emotional, personal experiences that they have in games, uh, often they talk about games like Journey and and games that deal with, like, really personal, spiritual themes. Um, but I think that for me, it was when I first fought the Gaping Dragon in, uh, <laughs> in Dark Souls. Because I, I didn't know how summoning worked. And yeah. I had, only, I had uh, it was my first playthrough, and I was just banging my head against this giant, room-sized, disgusting dragon, and I had no idea what to do. And so I, I for the first time in the game, uh, saw a summon sign, and I, I used the soapstone or whatever. I don't even know how I did it. Um, a guy comes into the game, and not only oh, and not only did I uh, not understand what the gaping dragon was. Actually, I remember I didn't actually play against the gaping dragon because the depths were just so terrifying to me i didn't know how to do anything i just kept dying <laughs> and this guy guides me through this darkest nastiest place of the game that i'd seen so far like he's like he's a tour guide and we're in disneyland and he, he gently like waits for me as i'm like do i go over here do i go over here i'm just like acting like the dumbest player you've ever yeah. seen and the dude isn't like doing any like gestures like tapping his foot or waiting or, or beckoning like come over here or anything He's just like waiting for me, like the most patient, kind person I've ever met in a video game. See, and then and that's also interesting, because if you don't know the person directly and have like a direct chat line, there's no yeah. communication. Yeah, there's no well, communication. Than, that's a great point. Yeah. 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 The only way that you can interact with these other players is by making these weird, goofy gestures. <laughs> and none of that was even happening. The dude was just patiently waiting, like standing in a particular spot. I knew just follow him and he would take me to, to where we needed to go and then. And then after he basically killed the boss for me, he just takes a bow and then God. leaves <laughs> leaves me with like this powerful weapon because he chopped off the the dragon's tail and gave me this mm. great weapon. And I don't know anything that's going on, but he just did me a solid, you know. <laughs> and it's even going into the negative aspect of people being in there. By negative, I mean being invaded by other people. Oh yes, because that it's, is the other aspect of multiplayer. It it's still friendly. Like I've had, like even when people come, like they still. I've had a lot of times where, uh, and you know, a bad invasion will happen, and someone will come to fight me, and 
you know, a lot of the times there's waiting, there's bowing before actually doing PVP combat, there's bowing uh-huh. afterwards, you know, there's, yeah. you know, I've sat down it's, and people it's, it's have like waited for me. like sort of, sort of yeah. uh, combat there's, scenario. There's like unwritten rules and like, you know, PVP that people like try to follow, you know, obviously there's going to be people who don't always follow PVP, those rules. PVP, but, of course, meaning player versus player. Yes. You know, I know sometimes healing's not really looked highly upon, you know, depending on how you go about it, but even those are nice. And that's an, that's a weird thing for me because, you know, they're coming in there, they're trying to halt your progress and, you know, you still have to die, go back to the bonfire and go back and get your souls, but they're being very courteous about it. And that's, <laughs> you know, and that's, it's weird. Depends a, on which people of, invade you, I think. It, yeah, it totally still... depends on what people invade you. But the fact that that has happened speaks to a certain aspect of this kind of community uh, and the multiplayer aspect of it that, that's, that's transcendent. Um, Zach, I want, I want to come back to you in particular because of um, there's this lunch table discussion uh, quality, this, this like we're in elementary school again and all we yeah. want to do is talk about this video game. Uh, that that Dark, Souls, Dark Souls is in, in spades. Um, I want you to, to share not only why do you think that is, but also um, why you get such a, a joy out of being the, the, this the sage guide of our, of our, our uh, Dark Souls uh, theology gaming community of sorts. Uh, it's kind of weird how I became that guy, right? <laughs> the guy who knows all the things about the Souls games. But it was mostly that I just like put the effort in the first time, and I played Dark Souls like just incessantly for like two or three months. I just know everything about the original. I don't know why, but that's basically what happened. I enjoy imparting my knowledge to other people for because I, yeah. I enjoyed the game so much, I want other people to also enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So if they yeah. reach like weird hurdles or if they and I don't think that that's just because you're a nice person. I think no. that that's also just part of the game's actual like underlying makings, like yeah. the actual like tinkered making parts of the game. There are things that you must have like like some guy must have just found out and then passed on to another guy, passed on to another guy. Like the entrance to the DLC area in the original Dark Souls, it's like this convoluted mess. You will never find it on your own, but if you just look it up on the internet, there it is. <laughs> yeah. And that's, and that's something that personally for myself, I, I do not like looking things up for games uh, in general, but this game, I feel like I can lean on the knowledge of other players and not feel like uh, it's necessarily being spoiled, but that I can actually like, it's kind of like uh, the collected hands being lifted up at the same time. Yeah. And it's sort of like when I finish an area, when I'm done after I beat the boss or I know that it's cleared, I go back to see what I missed because there's always mm-hmm. something you miss. Just, in, just oh, yeah. go back and get like items and stuff. I don't even care if I need the items or not. Yeah, yeah, I just yeah, want yeah. to get it this, anyway. This aspect of, of knowing that you've fully cleared out an area, that you've investigated it properly, that you can call it your own. Yeah. So um, any of you other guys, I want I want to give you another uh, – can you can you give kind of like the lasting thoughts on community and your last uh, maybe maybe even the spiritual benefits of the community in Dark Souls? Well, I play the game solo, so that's problematic. <laughs> Usually, I don't. No, it's not because you're contributing to the community. I'm, that's, I'm contributing this way. You, you yeah, by you, by hooking everybody else. <laughs> on the series. Yeah, that's true. That's you're true. You're the dealer. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think if if you want to draw a parallel there, um, I couldn't help but think about real life in relation to Dark Souls. And again, this is still feels kind of weird for me to talk about, but it's okay. It's Go for it. Um, because 
if, if you're in Dark Souls and you're in a very difficult area and you don't know what to do, number one, you can reach out to somebody else and they will usually have advice for you how to progress. And mm-hmm. the same is also true for real life and the things that we just don't know what we're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that I was thinking about is um, as I'm, I'm sitting in an Orlando and my next progression is uh, um, Ornstein and Smo. You know the the big mm. pair of bosses, yeah, and, the, the legendary bosses that are that are an obstacle for many players, right? That you know Zach would say they're really not as hard as everybody thinks they are. Well, we can't all be experts. Yeah, shut uh, up, Zach. I, I don't. I really don't think they're that hard. I played. <laughs> but, you know, I played hard. It is. <laughs> the thing about it is, and how it relates to real life is, a lot of times, just like in the game, you know what obstacles are in front of you, mm. and. You can take a different path and you can put the game away or whatever, but you know that as soon as you come back to it, that obstacle is still there. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you just got to deal with the stuff that seems like it's insurmountable mm-hmm. and it's just you have to push through. Otherwise, you your progress stops. Mm. So it's just it's kind of it, persistence is key and you just, mm-hmm. you cannot let things beat you. Sometimes you just got to push through it no matter how difficult or uncomfortable you yeah. think it is. Yeah. First you get that mm-hmm. frustration moment where you've kind of gone into it like five to 10 times and you go, oh, I hate this. I hate it. And then you go in and do worse, completely oh, yeah. worse <laughs> over and over again. <clears throat> and then eventually you kind of get over it and you go, I know how to do this. Why am I being an idiot? And then finally, it's just like the perfect run. And then you go through and it's like, I've got the segment down. I can't believe I just did that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I have no idea what it is, but there's something about, um, for me, very early morning play sessions. And if I'm playing the game late at night, I almost always run into the, I'm doing terrible. I'm doing terrible. I'm doing terrible. And then Mm -hmm. I need some rest and I just need to just give it up for a little while. And then I come back and I beat the boss my first try. Um, I had to stop today because I was getting frustrated and I, I was sitting there with my wife was watching me play and I was like, I'm like, I have to stop before I get frustrated. And I was like, one more time, one more time. I did not like the way that one went one more time. I know I can do better. <laughs> and then I just the, got to a point. She's like, all right, you're frustrated. You're done. I'm like, okay, are you talking I'm about done. the ashes of Ariandel fight? Oh my goodness. I don't want to spoil it for anybody. I'm not even. Gonna yeah. Uh, yeah. The last one. Dark Souls one that three. We talking yeah. About. It's, it's pretty fantastic, but uh, yeah. And I will <laughs> no probably say, out of all the bosses in the series, you know, if everyone thought Nameless King was hard, I <laughs> think I found a harder one. It's an endurance match. Yeah, it's And you thought Ornstein and rough. Smo took a long time. Yeah, <laughs> so now I feel better prepared to fight them. <laughs> now you'll be prepared now. I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> feel free to cut uh, this, this out. Okay, I, I, I have yeah. I have played uh what I feel like is a lot of Dark Souls, and yet I am only about halfway through the original. Uh, so I have yet to so play okay. through two and three, yeah, you're, you're and but I have played Bloodborne and uh, not important. So the the the, the third <laughs> the third virtue and value. It seems like we're already talking about this, but uh, would you would you feel, like if I can throw this out there? Do you feel like that's that that breakthrough moment? That uh, that sheer okay. I finally have victory through this and it gives you a relief. Uh, I, I guess for me, it gives such a relief that like, wow, um, there's nothing quite like that. And I don't know. I want to say like 99% of uh, major games, especially uh, AAA games, considering most of the time you get to a boss battle in a 
mainstream AAA, uh, you know, Ubisoft or a uh, um, uh, EA game, it's kind of like, all right, next thing. <laughs> I have never felt the adrenaline for any other game like Dark Souls, like the tension, the just getting like, you know, worked up, excited. And then when you finally beat it, just that weight off your shoulders relief like like you said you know you're moving on like yeah. i have never had any other game series do that to me like ever yeah. the atmosphere think. definitely helps i mean you couldn't like do mm. this like even 10 years ago probably create in terms violence. of the in terms of technology yeah it's the dark oppressive atmosphere of stuff like blight town that really kind of hammers yeah. it home in a lot of places because that mm. area, oh my god, yeah. frightened me to death. <laughs> Things yeah. jumping out of the darkness, toxic. Get out of here, you know? <laughs> yeah, people throwing poop at you. Well, I mean, I think about it too, because <clears throat> if you, you're talking about all the AAA games and how you don't get that same feel from them. So if you go back to Call of Duty or Titanfall 2 or whatever, how many people started those games and finished them? Like everybody who ever plays it, gets all the way through and it's just kind of like almost it's, it's weird part. the actual numbers uh one of my favorite things about ps4 is that it shows you the percentage of people who've gotten a uh a trophy um and mm-hmm. specifically the platinum trophy is the first thing on every list and so i'm always fascinated by what is what is the percentage of people who've gotten a trophy and if you look at uh i, I can think of specifically uncharted 4 uncharted 4 has a, a very doable campaign it's almost entirely story mode focused there is multiplayer some do it the amount of people who play through the game is like one percent mm. that's that's pretty much that's that's like who 100 percent the game that's like one percent and that's that's pretty reasonable i looked at another a bunch of other games it's okay, usually I, I, around one percent now did, like did you just say that's for the platinum though Platinum. That's for platinum. See, but uh, platinum's a different thing because platinum's on, doing one hundred percent of just everything. For it, just though. wait for it. And so I, I, I compare that to a game that I would say is significantly harder, significantly so much so um, that I didn't know if I could ever possibly beat it, and I did, which was Bloodborne. Um, and not only did I, not not only did I beat it, um, which doesn't really matter. Uh, the amount of work that I see yet to go in the platinum is still staggering. The the thing is the the percentage of people who've gotten platinums in Bloodborne, which we consult, consider a Souls game, seven percent, seven times more than an easier game. Uh, you can you can compare these numbers to a lot of things, but that that amount of of con- contrast is insane. Um, so I, I I just want to suggest that maybe it's weird because the the amount of Commitment, the amount of com- connection that a person has with a Souls-style game is a lot deeper than uh, a game where the, the the breakthrough moments are not quite the same. Joe, you had your hand up. What did you want to add? Well, because I think, you know, when people tell you that they beat Call of Duty or Titanfall, it's not really an accomplishment in a way <laughs> because you kind of like, well, of course you beat Call of Duty. Of course yeah, you beat Titanfall. Yeah. But when you come to somebody who says, well, I beat Dark Souls, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, I know that that was an investment. <laughs> and it's a much, much, much longer game. I mean, not only is it a much and longer it, game, but the the amount of, of challenge that goes into everything, you have to right. you have to really win it. Yeah, and, and I think that's the difference is that it's not just like a popcorn game where you just sit mm-hmm. through push buttons and you win. It's just – it's the difference between like – a game and a game, if that makes sense. A yeah. game. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. What do you? Why 
in particular, Zach, do you think that Dark everyone is copying Dark Souls, and what do you think that they miss as they try to copy Dark Souls? Uh, they're kind of copying the death system and like the oh, this is hard, and then you die, which is all well and good, right? Everybody wants to copy the new hotness. But I think a lot of it is that they just... Well, not, <laughs> Dark Souls doesn't necessarily qualify as the new hotness when it came out seven years ago. Although it's like been <laughs> in, like, every game has a Dark Soulsian element or X is right, the Dark yeah. Souls of Dark Souls of Dark Souls of Dark Souls. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's how every game is described. So even Nier Automata well, it, it, has a Dark Soulsian death system, right? Which is, like, kind of? Not really? Yeah, not not entirely, but but slightly if you're looking at the multiplayer element. But it's so like what 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 in particular everywhere? But so what do you think is the main thing that most of these other games seem to miss? They kind of miss the crafted nature of this game. What do you mean by craft? Because every game okay. is crafted. So a lot of open world stuff. Let's let's just throw that out as an example. You kind of get a big open world. Sometimes they want to like recreate ancient architecture. Let's say Assassin's Creed, or they want to recreate a giant city and they have like lots of things littered here and there. Right. There's like tasks here, tasks there. Right. Everything in dark souls is very much a level. It's, it's basically a bunch of video game levels stitched together. Hmm. The original dark souls is really good at this because it kind of hides the fact that they're really video game levels stitched together. And then kind of like layered, like vertically. You've got this giant vertical level design. It's like basically a Castlevania game squished into a tiny cup. <laughs> Everything yeah. kind of ends up in there, right? But it's so compact that you don't notice it. It just becomes this seamless level design. Like the whole world uh, is a big level. Yeah, and everything is, is directly and immediately connected like, uh, yeah. Met like Metroid. Or... Actually, I would suggest personally that um, Dark Souls is a derivative of the Metroidvania style of game. But of course, becomes its own thing. Yeah, and then like here's here's this enemy, right? This enemy's here for a reason. This yeah. item's here for a reason. Items are only on dead bodies or in chests for a reason. Why? Why do you say that? That they're only that way for a reason? Well, there's lore reasons for it. Why uh -huh. only dead bodies can hold them? I don't know why. If you actually look, they're only in treasure chests or on dead bodies. Right. Right. Like there's a giant lore book somewhere where uh, Miyazaki has all these things together, right? It's yeah. like sketches. None of this is like set in stone or like the lore mm. is kind of extrapolated out of all these like incidental details. But mm. that's what makes it cool for people, right? Is that you're trying to figure it out and piece it together in your own mind. Yeah. At the same time yeah. as the community also has their own definitive interpretations, that's fine, right? Yeah. Mm. But it's mostly about you. You going mm. through this thing, this ordeal, whatever it might be, right? And going through this world that has this very specific design to it. And I don't think a lot of the games that borrow stuff from Dark Souls have that really particular design to it. And the specific level design, yeah. specific world design. And you can feel it. It's a very ineffable thing, right? You can mm, feel when yeah. a game has good level design and like some guy like put the rock there for a reason. Right. And then when yeah. it's like, oh, a tiny knee-high wall prevents your progress. Better go <laughs> all the way around sort of thing. Yeah. And yeah. I th think the biggest one that comes to mind is Lords of the Fallen, which tried really hard to be Dark Souls with a mo more coherent story. Like, mm -hmm. where it's actually, oh, it's got cutscenes, you know, it's yeah. more being laid out to you. But when you get down to playing it, you know, it's just not as good. It's just missing that 
that it factor that Dark Souls had. You know, the, the combat would you say, it's the, would you say it's the level design, or would you just say that, like, the combat isn't quite refined enough? Or? I don't think the combat's refined enough. It's, t- it's slower. It's a little clunkier. It it's, partly suffers via comparison, right? Everything wants yeah. to be Dark Souls, and mm. they really should try to be their own thing. Now, yeah. On the good side, you got Neo, which piggybacked, you know, got a lot of hype because of you know ah. people were comparing it to Dark Souls. When yeah. you get to playing it, I forgot about it's, Neo. It's its own, it's its own game that takes some inspiration yeah. from Dark Souls, but it did its own thing and it does it really, really well. In, in this case, of course, uh, that's N I O H Neo, which has the uh, the samurai setting. Yeah. Yes. And it's cool, yeah. and I like it. But it's not Dark Souls. <laughs> it, it, it's not. You can see Dark Souls themes in it, but it's like this amalgamation of like Ninja Gaiden, Diablo, and like just thrown in into the blender, and they make it work. And they made and, it their own thing. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, Joe, what is one thing that you would say is um, that makes makes Dark Souls special compared to uh, any games that seem to be trying to imitate it? I'm probably not the best person to answer this because I don't know much about the imitators, but I just like the fact that it's the original and none of the successors have really topped it, so Mm. to speak, because everything always goes back to Dark Souls. It's not like uh, Mass Effect, for, for instance, where you have Andromeda and it's being compared to Mass Effect 2 instead of Mass Effect 1. Dark Souls, the original, still has that reigning uh, a title that everybody looks back to and it, mm. it kept it for a reason and yeah I, I think it's some of those qualities that are hard to define is people are trying to grasp and what they don't succeed in is making their own set of factors that are hard to define yeah just to copy something else and they just don't quite get it because they're not original in their own sense mm. that's a good point um, so to wrap up, I, I want to wrap up today's episode um, and uh, kind of to come to a close of sorts. Um, the, the last question that I have for you guys is um, what is what is the, the thing that, that you've gotten the most out of not just playing Dark Souls in general, but this past two weeks, past two, three weeks, as we've been going through Dark Souls together, playing with one another um, talking about it with one another maybe not even in, i don't even know if zuck picked up the game um i ended up jumping into the dark souls 3 dlc so because mm. so i haven't you're not, played it yet so you're not there with with joe and i in the original i think it's partly because i don't want to sully my original experience with it because <laughs> yeah. I, I really really love dark souls but like when i go back to it i get like halfway through and i'm like eh. <laughs> i yeah. really want to go all the way back. through yeah it's hard to go back because there's like lots of little things that i I liked about it, and now I don't want to really see the flaws in it. Ooh, I, you you actually reminded me. I'm not sure if intentionally about the um, the the spiritual side of things that we uh, as Christians kind of have to face when talking about this game to people who don't get it. Oh yeah, well, and that name of the game is Dark Souls, also. <laughs> yeah, so there's there's this concept that I don't believe is remotely biblical, which is uh, that people have uh, glowy white souls. And when they die, that you can um, cash them in, <laughs> cash them in. But yeah. more so, more so that the existence of a person's uh, a person's ho- person's personhood is uh, that their soul is an Im- immaterial, um, glowing orb like thing. 
Um, and for me personally, uh, I don't subscribe to that belief. Um, but how, how would you say that you particularly handle the, uh, the, the, the visuals, the, the, the world, and do you see something on the other end of that? Or is it just something that you actually like the darkness? Well, I think in my case, I just tell people that the original name of the game is Happy Fun Souls, and something was lost in the translation. <laughs> that's why it's called Dark Souls. Um, but as, as far as the imagery goes, I don't. I mean, I'm I don't take that thing that seriously from a spiritual standpoint because it, it's telling a story, and yeah. you're inhabiting this kind of fringe world, and you know I don't think it. It, it doesn't really serve as an indicator of my spiritual perspectives that I play a game about, you know, harvesting souls and stabbing people. You know, it's just, I don't know. Well, they're, they're not necessarily people, yeah. people, but they are, uh, undead with some humanity on them or well, what, what, they, what actually they were are you human. playing as? Are we, are you humans? Are you half humans? Are you undead? What are you in dark souls? You are human. You are the cursed undead. Which, that, that that makes things perfectly clear as mud. <laughs> well, what happens like it? Um, this is going to get like pretty pretty. Didn't it do, depends did on how far we want to go. Already, I think, didn't we? Yeah, I we, did. We, I th- we, did we you mean do, do one, Zach? Yeah, we did do one. So. I think we did do one. But I basically, all that say that it can get pretty hairy. Yeah, it's uh, complicated. We did a lore podcast. Uh, Zach and I did a little while huh? back. On yeah, it. but pretty much you're human. Uh, it, it talks about in the beginning of Dark Souls there, you know, the world was gray and the dragons ruled the earth. And then these four, you know, greater beings, I don't know exactly what they call because you got Gwyn, Nito, the Witch of Isolith, and uh, uh, I'm forgetting. No, yeah. kind of counts. No, Seath was the dragon that betrayed him. Yeah, but doesn't count. they got, you know, they found the first flame, the fire, and, you know, there's this dragon betrayed him. They took him out and... Yay, and then the humans were born from the furative pygmy, and that's what you are, but there's this undead curse that keeps coming up, and the only way to get rid of it is to keep reigniting the flame that Gwyn made. So everyone goes, you go, you link the flame, the curse goes away, but it keeps coming back. So there's all these cycles. It keeps going over and over, and people keep dying. So like when you see these hollows, those are people who just kept dying, and then they fully eventually went hollow. And Hollow is just fully zombie, full zombie. Yeah, full zombie. Pretty much. Yeah. The ones that fight you are basically full zombie. Most of them. Yeah. And yeah. even a lot of the enemies are sometimes people who transformed into some things. Like you'll get into yeah, the actual boss, the like the, the, the giant boss monsters are actually like former former human beings that have turned into hard things because of X, Y, or Z. Yeah, and the bonfires are also powered by human bones, I think. Oh, well, that's that's lovely. You actually have to take a close look. Yeah. 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 You have to offer up humanity to kindle fire sometimes because, like, that's one of the mechanics in one. You can, you know, kindle a fire and but get what more. What is actually the substance of humanity? Because it kind of looks uh, sort of like a vulva. <laughs> this is definitely going on yeah. the podcast, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, it changes. Those are like little black like spirit soul things. And then in yeah. two, you get Estus flask to get your humanity back. And three, you use embers to stay yeah. ember. And like, like humanity it, is more like a metaphysical concept in the souls universe. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I, it, don't fu- I definitely don't fully understand it, but um, yeah, but the, the quick and easy explanation is that uh, the gods set up a golden age. 
the gods saw that the uh, what is it? Because the humans came out of the darkness. Dark is a separate thing from fire. The yeah. gods represent fire. The humans represent dark. The gods feared the humans because the age of dark was coming. So basically, yeah. Gwyn found a way to uh, keep the world from descending into the age of darkness via some means, which you'll figure out as the yeah. game goes on. But I am lost. I'm not going to anyway, lie. <laughs> anyway, yeah. the, it's the reason the re, the reason why a person has to light the first flame repeatedly is because this is how the world has been structured because the gods made this happen. Okay. It's the reason why the world keeps being the gods, a.k.a. Humans. Miyazaki. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and even still, like, you know, they're called gods, but they're actually not really gods. They're more like beings that ascended to deity like status yeah. afterwards because no one actually knows who cre- like there's no creation lore that I don't think anyone really knows about. Yeah. For the most part, because it's just very shrouded. Everyone just knows for a while, you know, it was the earth was gray and the dragons ruled. And then these beings came along and did it. And then people started worshiping these from them because, gotcha. you know, Gwyn became powerful. So there's also that part of the lore. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a very vague mythology. Yeah. And absolutely. also, that, and that's the, and that's the thing that I think that's yeah. super duper clear is, is that that vagueness of the mythology that causes your curiosity to see through the myths, yeah, the, 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 the mist. The good guys and the bad guys are very unclear. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, I mean, the guy who pushes me into yeah. a pit and then tries to kill me and steal all my all my things. He seems like, <laughs> well, Patch is he seems like a bad guy. Yeah. yeah, he's yeah. Um, but, like, there's it's... certain characters in the game that you won't even know how to meet them until you like your second playthrough. And then you'll go, well, everything I know is wrong, sort of thing. So, uh, yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. I like that. Uh, so we're going to be – I'm going to be playing more Dark Souls. I do hope to actually, like, finish it in my personal – my personal playthrough. Um, Joe and I are probably spurring each other on to, to get through the game. Hopefully, um, I would love that that we'd be able to finish the game. Um, and so, uh, to, to kind of wrap up today's podcast, I, I would like to recap kind of like a, what I would say are the virtues and values of the game, and that's most notably uh, that this is a happy. Uh, this podcast we're going to call Happy Fun Souls Cast uh, in Joe's <laughs> honor. And uh, okay. the, the virtues that we have so far are uh, – we're just going to say pillars. I think pillars of virtue from uh, Happy Soul, Happy Fun Souls are perseverance, community, and breakthrough. Um, persevering is uh, something that leads to breakthrough but isn't necessarily the breakthrough itself. Uh, so I'm making those three different things. Is there anything that you feel needs to be as listed as a pillars, uh, as a virtue of Dark Souls design? Self-control. Self-control? Well, yes. At least that's what I find in my playthroughs of these games. Is uh, <laughs> that you, a lot of the times, winning requires you just to not do anything. <laughs> like, just to observe into like not like run into the darkness because you're impatient or to go for that extra strike because you think it's gonna we- beat the boss right but it won't <laughs> you're, you're just gonna get your butt handed to you and yeah. a lot of the times it's about like just looking and going how much estus do i have left can i make this run with all these souls or do i really just need to backtrack to the bonfire to start over right yeah <laughs> is that that actual like care and and pay, like that patience aspect. Yeah, and patience, patience, patience. This is what I tell everybody, including my brother, who's playing Dark Souls 3. Mm-hmm. He has not learned this lesson. <laughs> no, you're telling yourself patience, right? Watching I'm him? telling him patience, just watching him. Oh, man. Uh, but, 
but it's like the lesson patience 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 like you can brute force your way through a lot of stuff but you can't do it on everything in this game and yeah. a lot of it nice. is just like taking control of the situation and going i don't be an idiot don't be an idiot mm. yeah that sounds that sounds incredibly accurate considering especially when your boss is uh, that the a boss's health gets really really low. You're like, <laughs> yeah, you want to go Very for excited it. Excited toddler. <laughs> yeah, you want to go for it, but yeah. it's like, no, no, you can't. <laughs> Don't do it. Wait, heal. Get ready. Wait for it. Not yet. Okay, now. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> or you mess up. Awesome. <sighs> cool. So those those are our four pillars of Dark Souls Christian virtue on the theology gaming. Uh, what are we? We're just throughout theology gaming right now. Um, so, yeah, once again, that's perseverance, community, breakthrough, and patient self-control. Cool. So this has been the Theology Gaming Podcast. Hopefully uh, you got something out of it. And, yeah, like us on YouTube. Uh, not YouTube. Uh, iTunes. Yeah, that's probably where this is going to be. Um, and uh, give us uh, ratings. We like those. Um, and more, impor- <laughs> more importantly, um, if you uh, give us feedback... Uh, and become our friend, we could potentially play Dark Souls with you. Um, yeah. And you could be a part of the Theology Gaming community on Facebook, which, which is pretty much where we really exist these days. Um, so find, just type Theology Gaming into Facebook. Cool. Thanks again for listening. I'm M. Joshua. Uh, you have been joined with Brandon Zamudo, Joseph Loon, and Zachary Oliver. Yeah! 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 Love you guys. Bye-bye. Bye! <laughs> Thank you.